we have the, the joy of having the Jay family back with us uh, to update us, also to bring some, some perspective in the Word, to stir our hearts toward, as Kerr mentioned earlier, just for us to be where God has us and live gospel intentionality out, looking for gospel conversation and gospel proclamation. Uh, due to security reasons based on our live streaming, and uh, the, we're, the J family will be going by that, and they'll also reference uh, way, where they're serving. Uh, but we'll have it up on the screen. If you are watching this, you won't see that, so nothing's wrong with your live stream. But we'll see it here, so you'll see the pictures that they have and, and hear where they are. Uh, but what I love about the J family is their willingness to say, Lord, send me. Here I am, send me. And all of us are terrified of asking that question because we'll end up where they got. But we need to always ask the question with really an open hand that says, God, you direct everything and you direct my steps. Here, we want to serve you. So I am so thankful for that. Um, we're going to, we'll hear from the whole family at different points, but if you would please welcome Denny up as he comes to introduce himself and his family and bring us the word. Can you hear me? No, no. All right. Is that better? Yep. Good morning, church. It is so good to be back here. This is our, this is our home. This is a home church for us. For those who, I mean, obviously many of you we do know, and uh, for those we don't know, um, this church, your church, sent us out four years ago um, to North Africa. Uh, I'm not going to say the name like Jeff said, but... Um, it'll be on the screen. You can see it there. Um, and of course, you're welcome to talk to us more afterwards um, about it. So what I'm going to do this morning is just uh, talk to you a little bit about the Great Commission for a few minutes, and then we'll get the, the rest of the family up, the, the better part of the family up here to help with the presentation and just get, give you an update of how things are going in our country um, and kind of our vision and what God's doing there. Um, okay, um, so, so first, uh, why don't we just close our eyes in prayer for a minute, and then we'll, we'll uh, open our Bibles. Lord, just thank you for, thank you. We, our hearts are just overflowing with thankfulness, Lord, uh, this week, this day, this morning. Um, thank you, Lord. Thank you for, for who you are. Thank you, Lord, that you sent your Son to this earth to... Uh, Make us your children to save us despite who we are. Despite us being enemies of you in darkness, you came to this earth to die on the cross for our sin. To die on the cross that we could be set free. So our hearts this morning, Lord, are just filled with thankfulness. Lord, we just want to spend, take a minute to thank you for this morning and that we can come together as a church family, as a church, and worship you, worship you in song, worship you 
in prayer, worship you in tithe, worship you in your word, Lord. So, God, I just pray that as we do open your word this morning, that you will be glorified, your name will be glorified, and you will see, and in this church and everybody here will, will see you, and not the J family, not us, but you. Lord, we love you, and we worship you, in Jesus' name, amen. I love Thanksgiving. I, I, I love almost every part of Thanksgiving. I love the, the food, the family, um, the food. Did I say food? I think I, my parents are here, so I get to, uh, I was known when I was a kid of the one that was always eating and weighed way too much, and um, that was me. So uh, I do love the food at this time of year, but we do have so much to be, so much more to be thankful for, right? As the children of God, I appreciate Pastor Jeff's motivation email this week, which I love. And by the way, if you don't get that, make sure you sign up for it or read it. Um, and he mentioned in that email about Thanksgiving that this is a mark of who we are as Christians. It's Thanksgiving. And I don't know if you always think about that, but, but you, you know, in, in the mission world, we, 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 uh, we talk a lot about the, the unreached and, and the people around the world needing the gospel, and that is very true. They do. But I was thinking this, this week, as we were just thinking of all the things that we are thankful for, that I, I, we have so much to be thankful for, but there's so many around the world that don't know this type of thankfulness. I'm not saying they don't have thankfulness. They do. But usually it's caveated with, I'm thankful that God has, you know, given me the opportunity to do all these things for him. Or uh, it is a caveat to do with what we do for, for God as well. Not so with us, is it, brothers and sisters? We have so much to be thankful for. So now let's... Uh, Let's just talk for a few minutes maybe about the Great Commission, about taking this good news, this gospel, and taking it to our neighbors, like, like Kerr said this morning, to the world. So when I say Great Commission, what pops to your mind? What, what, what verse, what, what, what comes to mind, or, or what, what, uh, what action comes to mind when I say Great Commission? Matthew 28, right? Go, therefore. I, I know you guys, I'm pretty sure you guys still say that every week as your, as your commission, right? Um, and that, that, that's typical, right? And, and that's normal. But did you know that the Great Commission is actually spread out across five chapters, five books, five places in the New Testament? And it's slightly different in each one. Um, now, now, Typically, t- typically when, when, you, when you think of uh, something that's in every gospel, it just means that it was seen from a different eye point, a different eyewitness saw it and wrote it down. So it might be slightly different. But with the Great Commission, it was all different times throughout the, the 40 days after Jesus was resurrected. So it... it, um, it, it The first time was the evening of the resurrection, and then the next day, and then a few weeks later, and then on the day of ascension, there was two more times there. So five times. So this morning, we're going to 
real quickly go over those five different verses. So I hope you brought your Bible this morning. We're going to do a little bit of flipping around, um, but it's, uh, we're not going to be able to do it justice. There's a lot in here, so we're going to be really quick. If you do want to know more and learn more about it, of course, take your Bibles. And if you don't have one, Pastor Jeff or Pastor Kerr will, will gladly give you a Bible to go t- look for yourself and, and research it. There's also many good resources out there, um, in, including one where some of this came from, some of these statistics came from, um, and, and that is A Third of Us. Um, uh, it's a new book out. So there's many good resources out there where you can read about uh, this great commission. Um, so what? What? Uh, so five different times spread out over 40 days seems kind of weird, doesn't it? Why did God do it this way? Why did he? Why did he not just give it to them and then here you go and that's it? Well, I mean, there's many different theories, but what we do know that it was a very important message, and so maybe he wanted to make sure that it was understood and heard properly. Um, but you, you, you know what? It, it's uh, it, it's the, the the message of um, that 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 God wanted them to know and to hear. Is nothing really new, right? It's, it's, it's look to God. There is hope. There is something that we can be hopeful for. God says, I have done something for you. Um, and and be, being, being sent out as a great commission or as a mission is nothing new either, is it? Abraham was sent to Canaan. Joseph uh, sent to, uh, to, to Egypt, Moses to Pharaoh, um, Jonah to Nineveh, etc. The New Testament, you know, Philip, Ananias, Peter, Paul, they all had missions of some sort. Um, and of course, the greatest mission of all, Jesus was sent to this earth. So the idea of being sent out is nothing really new. Now, what about the message? The, what about the message that God was trying to get? Is that anything new? Well, like I said, it's not really, um, but it looked a little bit different. In the Old Testament, God was concerned with his glory, of course, but he wasn't exactly sending out his people. He was saying, look to me. Let let my people be a magnet for drawing the nations because of their obedience to the law. That's what he was saying. But now... He was changing that all up. And so, of course, the disciples were, were Jewish, and they understood, uh, they understood what, what God's characteristics were and what he wanted. But this was new. This was something a little bit different, right? This was not, you know, obey me so well so people know that I am your God. This was go out to the people. Go out to the nation. So it's a little bit different. So maybe God had to spend a little bit of time explaining it to them. But whatever the case, let's go over these five different verses. Now, in typical form, um, the, 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 we, we split, I split these up into five different words. So five different verses, five different M words, words that start with M. Okay? And now this is not me that, that, that figured out these M words, of course. This is, this is a commentator that had come up with this. Okay? But it is five different M words. We're going to start in John. Um, we're going to start in John 20. Uh, verse 21, but the five different M words are model, okay, that's what the, the John uh, 20 is going to be, the model that, that Jesus wanted his, his people to have, and then we're going to go to the magnitude, 
the method, the message, and the means that as a whole compromises the Great Commission. All five verses, all five places, all five of those words. So let's start with the model. So this was in John chapter 20, uh, verse 21. Um, and, and this is the evening of uh, the evening of the resurrection. Okay, and Jesus came and 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 stood amongst them, and maybe even surprised them a little bit because he said, "Peace be with you." So you know, calm down, maybe a little bit was what he was saying. But in verse twenty, he says, "When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side." Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, "Peace be with you." As a father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. And if you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. As a father sent me, I am sending you. So that there's no objective here in this verse. It's just the model, right? There's no message in this verse. It's just the model. The Father sent me. I am sending you. Now, remember before, the model was, come see me. Come see the children of Israel and, and what I am doing for them. But now he's changing it. He's saying, I, I'm going to send you, okay? So in this verse are two different, there's the word send twice. And in the Greek, it's actually two different Verses. The first send in that in that verse is apostello. is means uh, it's the idea of a person being sent officially on a mission with unquestionable authorization. Now that this word was also used over fifteen times in John describing uh, God sending Jesus, sending Himself. Okay. But the second word also means send. It's called pempo. Um, That's the Greek word for it. And it just simply means to to send somewhere specific. And it has more to do with the the process of sending or or, or leaving. Right? So if you put those words in there, it, it, it says, As a father has officially sent me on an authorized mission, so I am sending you out. I've been sent on an authorized mission, so I'm sending you out. And so you notice the, the as, as, as God has sent me, as my Father has sent me, and then the so is for us, so I'm sending you out. Church, that is the model that God has given us. So let's flip over to Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. And this is the magnitude. This is a, a full eight days later. When he appeared to the disciples and uh, they're all gathered, you know, reclining at the table. Mark uh, 16, verse 15 um, says, And he said to them, Go into all the world. Proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Do you, do you notice anything different in there? It, he, he, it's not just um, all the world. It's also all the world and the whole creation. So all in this, in this uh, verse here, uh, the Greek word for all here is hapas. 
Um, and it just means all, all-inclusive, all the time. All means all, okay? Pretty, pretty straightforward. So when Jesus says all the world, he means all the world. And in case that wasn't clear enough, he also uses whole creation, where whole in Greek is pasa, which means every or each one. So this message is so important. It has to go over all the world to every person. All the world and to every person. That's a lot of people, right? There's nothing, nothing left out, is there, church? Why is this? Is it because all of mankind is affected by the the, the fall, right? Yeah, of course. All of mankind is affected by sin, right? Right, Romans 3.23, all have fallen short of the glory of God. All. All means all. So all need the message as well, right? An an old uh, um, American theologian, Carl F.H. Henry, said the gospel is only good news if it gets there in time. The gospel is only good news if it gets there in time. Okay, church, I know I'm going really fast here, but let's turn to the method. The method is in Matthew. This is the one that we all, uh, the one that we all know, um, uh, maybe have memorized, uh, that you read every Sunday as a commission. Um, and this was where, this is a couple weeks later, okay? This is a couple weeks later after the resurrection. Jesus appears to them on a mountaintop where he told them to go, it says. So it's kind of a remote area, okay? So, so, so Jesus uh, says to them, in Matthew 28, he says, uh, verse 18, of course, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you until the end of the age. So, church, as you know, this is the, the, the most detailed message yet that the disciples have got. He even took them to an isolated place to, to give it to them. Why? Well, we, we aren't sure, but we do know it could have something to do with that. This was truly a great message that he was giving them. None of the other messages that he gave them compared to the greatness of this one. Great in authority, in task, great in scope, strategy, and even great in promise, right? So why don't we take a quick, uh, closer look at this message that he, he gave to his disciples. Uh, so so when, when you read this verse, and again, you guys read this every Sunday, what is the main focal point of the Great Commission? Is it go? Is it make disciples, baptize, teach? Yes, exactly. Yes, right? So they're all very important. The main verb, however, is make disciples. That's the main verb. It's not go. It's to make disciples. That is the imperative in there. And I'm going to act like I know my English grammar, which I don't very good. You talk to my wife about that if, if, I, uh, um, if I mess up. So, uh, but I do know that that's the imperative And the other three verbs are go, baptize, and teach. And those are participles that are tied to the imperative, make disciples. 
Okay, so they're all tied together. So, so, so what is making a disciple? Right, Pastor Jeff has been very clear in his preaching of what, what makes a disciple, how, what is a disciple, and it's making or becoming a complete follower of Christ. So that would also naturally include you know, making initial contact, you know, evangelism, and then helping to produce a growing and competent follower of Jesus. Now, Jesus says in this, in this verse that, that it's a three-step process. Going to, to those who have no exposure to the gospel. Um, also, by calling them into a relationship with Jesus. That, that culminates with baptism. And then also by teaching them to observe his commands. That's the method, church. Right there, that's the method. Now, there's a, there's a lot that goes into all that. We're not going to get into all that today. But let me just first say that, that going means to go from where the gospel is known to where it's not. That's what the going part is. Now, now it might, might mean that, 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 that the meaning is that the gospel is known to you and to your heart, but not to your neighbor. So that's going. Right, so, so you know, so so, or maybe it's you, the gospel's known to you, but not to your coworker. That means go, right? So go. So it's an action is the main point. It's an action. It's not a it's not a call to to sit down or or, or to ignore the people around us. It's a call to action, brothers and sisters. A call to action. Now, baptism doesn't necessarily also mean that you're the one to baptize somebody. It means just the culmination of the salvation experience, church, of, of, of repent, believe, and baptize. That's what that means. But it also means bring them into the body of Christ when they're baptized. So let me just say that this step is very significant, especially in the area of the world where we serve. To, to, to raise your hand up and say, not only that I'm a child of God now, I believe in Jesus, but I want to be baptized. That's putting a target on your back, and that's, it's very dangerous for Muslim background believers to be baptized. As they are welcome into the body of Christ, they lose their jobs, they lose their families, they lose all of that. So for, it's a really big deal for them, as it should be for all of us, Right? But for them, it's, it's, it's real. Now, the last part there is um, that new believers are taught with a goal in mind that they will become obedient followers of all Christ has commanded. That's important, isn't it? Transformation must be apparent and ongoing and then eventually be in a position to teach others as well. All of all that I just said, church, was the method that Jesus was laying out for his disciples and for us. So let's flip over to Luke. We're almost to the end of the Great Commission. Now, this is the message, okay? This is the message. So in Luke, uh, Luke 24, Luke 24, verse 44, this is, this is 40 days later, from the resurrection. So what is that, where does that place us? It places us at the ascension, right? Almost to the ascension. So verse 44 says, Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. 
Then he opened their minds to understand the scripture. And he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. That church is the message that Jesus was giving to his disciples. Now, the message is pretty important, right? You're not really a messenger if you don't have a message. Kind of goes hand in hand, okay? So here, Jesus details the message, which is the gospel, or as John Piper likes to say, the gospel is not how people get to heaven. The gospel is how people get to God. So what does that say here? Why, why, why is it important that we, as humans, get to God? Well, firstly, we are separated from God because of sin. The sin nature found within us and every human being is the root spiritual predicament, church, of all mankind, like we already mentioned, no exceptions. That is why this, import, this message is so important because it is the, the only message that the, 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 the only religion, even church, that saves. All the other messages, all the other religions out there address the symptom of sin, selfishness, pride, whatever the case may be. They don't address the root cause, which is the disease of sin. The gospel is the only thing that can penetrate the darkness of sin and heal the disease. As it says in Isaiah, we are healed by his stripes. So secondly, this verse contains, though, all the truth that the disciples needed to bring with them when proclaiming the gospel. Right? So Jesus goes into more detail in other places in Scripture, and of course, um, in, in the letters, you know, Paul and other apostles explain it in great detail as well. But everything is contained in, these, in this verse. Right? So there's three truths here that encompass the essence of the gospel church. And these three are all a person needs to know and, and believe to experience it to experience a right relationship with God. So number one, the reality of sin as man's greatest predicament. That's the first thing that he draws to light, that sin is that important that I need to address it, is what Jesus is saying. The second one is the redemptive work of Jesus as the only cure for that predicament. He says, I, I, I am the cure for that. Not your work, my work is the cure for the sin. And then, of course, number three, the right response of that is repentance, right, church? That, 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 that's necessary for a sinner to be forgiven of sin. Church, that's the gospel, the life-giving, life-saving, living waters of the gospel. And this is a message that Jesus not only saves us by, but he asks us to spread to others, to the world, to our neighbors, to the people around us, to the people we work with. Okay, the last verse is in Acts, right? First chapter of Acts, Acts 1, verse 8. And this is the means, church, the means by which we go. 
And now this was just before, as you guys know, just before Jesus was about to ascend to heaven. And he gives them one last message. Verse 8, of of course, says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now, I don't, it's it's just pretty clear in this verse, right, what the means are that, that, that God empowers his people with to fulfill his mission. It's himself, right? That's the means. He gives us himself, God himself, living and dwelling inside of us by the Holy Spirit. It's his work. It's his supernatural and divine work alone that empowers all of us to go and to obey the Great Commission. So church, that is the Great Commission as a whole as Jesus told it to his disciples. So what does that mean for you? And what does it mean for me, obviously, right? Well, three things. Number one, it's clear God wants all people to hear this message, the good news, right? That's clear. So is he calling you to go? This is something we should ask all of ourselves, as Jeff said. We should all be asking ourselves this every year, all the time. Is God calling me to go? Now, number two, it's also clear that not all of us are called to go, right? The church in Jerusalem sent the disciples out. The church in Antioch, right, sent Paul. It's clear that not all are called to go. So if you aren't going, are you sending? And are you contributing to sending by praying, by, by equipping, by, by sending, supporting, helping? Number three, God didn't just give his people this commission to, to keep us busy, right? To keep us occupied, uh, to, to keep us from being bored. I don't think that's why God gave us this commission. And it, it's not even completely just to reach the world with the gospel, although that is very crucial to the commission. But this should be a byproduct, church, of the overflow of a life that is glorifying God. That's where this should come from. It should come from a life that is magnifying him and an overflow of that. Is that you? Is that me? That's our life, that, 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 that we're just, just oozing with, with, with Christ. And everything we do, he is made known. We should want to obey this commission, church, because he is worth it. His glory, his majesty is worth it, church. So now, um, let's see what God is doing in Mauritania. Should we, shall we? If I could ask uh, the rest of the J family up, the better half of us, better three quarters of us. So we, um, so as you know, we are working in a country that is part of the unreached. Uh, what's the unreached? The unreached means, and I touched on this a little bit, the unreached means that it's a place where the gospel is not heard, the gospel is not present, it, there's no churches, there's nobody, there's no co-workers, friends of yours that can bring you the gospel, there's nobody there to bring the gospel. People are, are, are living and dying every day by the thousand, by the millions, 
without knowing or hearing of the gospel. That's what it means to be amongst the unreached, to live amongst the unreached. So we are living, working, serving in a country in North Africa that is part of the unreached. And do you know how many, well, it's on the board, on the screen. Do you know how many are a part of the unreached in the world now? 3.2 billion people. And that's a lot. That's a third of the world's population have no access to this good news, right? No access to, to knowing that thankfulness that we talked about earlier in our hearts. They don't have access to that. So the country that we live and serve, on, serve in on the next slide um, is a country in North Africa, um, almost 100% Muslim, almost 100% unreached. It's part of that, 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 um, that uh, red area that you saw on that last slide. Um, in North Africa, it's completely unreached. Now, the gospel is there. We're going to get into that more. But this is a very, it's a hot, dry country, difficult to live because it's Sahara Desert. But it is also, um, the, the, the people there, uh, one, one of the things that really makes them stand out from the rest of the world is not only are they proud of their Islamic heritage and, and they're, they're scholars in Islam, they're very proud of it, but they also have a lot of, of, of um, strangleholds that, that keep this country tight. Tradition, marriage, slavery. Slavery is still very prevalent in this country. Um, so there's a lot of things that, that set this country apart. Um, and so I'm going to let uh, Angelina talk a little bit about the country, show you a few pictures of what this country is and, and what the people are like. Hey, church family. <laughs> it's always so good to be back here and uh, see familiar faces and new faces as we get to share what God is doing. Um, so you can see in the first picture, some of you might have seen this already, but um, of the beautiful boats in Mauritania. Um, so we get the, the joy of um, seeing these beautiful things on a regular basis. Fishing is one of their main sources of income. Um, and so it's quite uh, beautiful to see. And they still fish like they did in the Bible, where they cast their nets on one side and they drag them way around in a big, big circle and then they come back around and lift them up. And it's extremely heavy and they do not have motors that lift their nets. They do it all by hand still and pull it into the boats. Um, so, yeah, it's very, very tough work. Uh, for them, but that is their main source of income uh, in the country. Um, we also have a lot of camels there. Uh, camels are a great, great joy uh, for us. You can see in the one picture of the camels in the back of the truck, um, they're actually headed to a wedding. Um, so men will still give camels to the father of the woman they're marrying as, you know, as a gift, basically buying the daughter um, in some aspects, especially in that culture. Um, and so we've actually had a few offer us camels for our daughter, and we graciously <laughs> declined and said, you can keep your camels. We, we don't want them. We'll keep her around for a while. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, we, we, uh, we have eaten camel. Um, it's not the greatest. <laughs> But, um, but we have eaten it, and uh, uh, we prefer um, chicken. So, uh, yeah. 
Um, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so we visit a lot with locals. It's also traditional to go um, stay in a haima, which is like a tent uh, for the locals. And so um, we have typically you will rent one of these out in the sand dunes and they will barbecue chicken or goat for you. And uh, it's, you know, like I said, we prefer the chicken, but, you know, it depends on who's with you. And so you might have to eat the goat, which our goat lives on plastic there. So, you know, that's what the goat eats, and then you eat the goat. Um, and so <laughs> we, we still prefer chicken. Um, so we drink a lot of tea with the locals. That's the traditional thing. You go to someone's house, you're in a shop, uh, you're usually drinking tea. Uh, it's it's considered um, very uh, much cultural experience there. It takes about two hours to have all three cups of tea. Um, so it is a process. The picture of me and Brianna drinking uh, the tea, it's actually, that picture was quite dark and I had to brighten it up. But we are sitting in a local's home um, and there was actually... Um, uh, things crawling on the floor, and so I turned my flashlight on, pretending that I was holding it for the lady making tea, but it was actually to keep all the roaches from crawling up our dresses. Um, and so they were everywhere, all over the floor, but we're smiling. <laughs> like, this is great. We're loving this. Um, but yes, that was uh, quite the experience. Um, another great tradition that the locals do there is henna. Um, we, right before we left, uh, a few of the ladies had a henna party and, uh, for Brianna and I, and so it's always special. It's a bonding time. It's about five hours or so that they're at your home. You eat together, um, and it's just a great way to bond with the local women, so we try to do that a couple times a year with them, but yeah, it's a great experience. So church, as you... As we're doing all these things, it's important that we have clarity of vision of of what we're doing. So we want to share our vision with you. Our vision is rooted in the Great Commission, of course. Uh, The the vision is in in order to see the church flourish in in this country. Uh, We desire to see disciples made and an indigenous reproducing biblical church formed amongst the unreached people group. That is the vision that God has laid on our hearts, church, for, for us, for our team, and, and, and for this country. Now, let's uh, spend a few minutes and just look back at what has happened this past year and what God is doing in this past year, okay? Uh, for, first of all, as you can see here, we, we, uh, God has been forming and putting together the foundation of a church plant. Praise God. And so we'll, we'll get more into that in a minute, but that is what he's doing in this country. Now, we're also, separate from that, also part of an international church there um, and the ministries that are associated with that. Um, also this past year, we, we had um, our, our main form of evangelism. One of our main forms is a conversation class where we invite young men and women to come in, practice their English, and it's quite, you know, we have 20 or 30 of these guys and girls, which is unusual for them, in a mixed class, and we, um, and we talk to them. And then from there, we see who God's laying on our hearts to speak more to them 
in person, one-on-one, over coffee or at our house. Um, and then lastly, of course, we have a platform, which is our, our reason for being there. Um, it's a company. Um, it's a vocational training center. Um, and so now let's, uh, let's go over uh, each one of these and um, just take a look at uh, some pictures and see what uh, God is doing in each of these. Now, first of all, um, first of all is the church plant. God was gracious enough to allow us to see him rescue a man out of the darkness of the city we're living in and bring him to Christ. And so we're just, we're just blessed to, to be there and to help him. To, to, um, I'll give you the story real quick. Uh, I, we were working with somebody from the conversation class for over a year. He was close and asking lots of questions. We were praying for him. And then his friend, which we didn't know, had some questions about who Jesus was. He had saw it on TV. He looked up some verses. He didn't really quite know. He's, I need to ask somebody. So he asked his friend. And now that's dangerous for them to ask somebody. He could be put in jail. He could be killed. But this friend had been working with me. And so he introduced us. And right there, as his friend was interpreting, his Muslim friend was interpreting, he asked all these questions about Jesus and he came to Christ in that moment, um, and now he is a follower of Jesus, and we got to baptize him before we came back a month ago. So God is working in this country. Um, so on this next slide here, we have something that, uh, uh, some verses, but also a quote from a famous uh, uh, missionary, a well-known missionary, um, and this is something that has been on our heart, because going to this this, this country, going to this uh, th- this place was, was, um, just seemed so impossible, seemed so, um, out there that God could be working in this country. So Darian's going to talk to you a little bit about, uh, um, about what this quote means to us and, uh, also what, um, also what th- this verse means to us too on the slide after that. Okay. Well, this is definitely a, a better view of my church family than constantly turning my head back during worship. <laughs> it's also a little bright, but I think I'll be fine. But the quote behind me should say, there are three stages to every great work of God. First, it is, first it is impossible, then it is difficult, and then it is done. And it's by Hudson Taylor, who was a... Um, who served in China. Now, what is, the, what is the definition of impossible? Well, definition of impossible should be not able to occur, exist, or be done. And so Hudson Taylor breaks down the three stages of what God does. First, it is impossible. And there's many examples of impossible situations all throughout Scripture, we got Daniel um, in the lion's den, Shirak, Meshach, and Abednego in the fire. Just impossible situations. And But more specifically, there's Moses, who was tasked to free an entire nation out of captivity. Oh, boy. There was Hezekiah when he was surrounded by the Assyrian army after he rebelled against the Assyrian king. And not just in the Bible, but there... 
even the missionaries of old had uh, um, situations that were quite impossible. Hudson Taylor going to China almost was impossible because of the of many numerous things, including a political rebellion happening. Um, George Mueller, who started an orphanage, um, had absolutely no means of doing so. He had no money, nothing, to be able to start it. But he trusted in God. He trusted and wanted to rely on God solely. Seems pretty impossible. Yet, we know that God makes a way. And there's actually a word for that. Do you all know what it is? It is miracles. Divine intervention. The question was rhetorical. <laughs> miracles, divine intervention. That is God making a way, stepping in to make a way. Now, stage two is difficult. The impossible now becomes difficult because we know that God can make a way. But why is it difficult? It's difficult because many situations, all situations, are out of our control. We have no control over difficult situations. But there is one thing we can do in situations out of our control, and that is pray. Praying. Prayer is surrender. And we see an example of that in the next slide. As, um, yeah, we see an example of that in the next slide. We can open up to 2 Kings. Um, chapter 19, verses 14 through 19. I got to open up there too. Second Kings, chapter 19, verses 14 through 19 says, and this is after the Assyrians have surrounded Hezekiah, he goes before God and he prays. And this is what he says. Well, Hezekiah received the letter from the hand of the messengers and read it. And Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord, the God of Israel, enthroned above the cherubim, you are the God, you alone. Of all the kingdoms of the earth, you have made heaven and earth. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. And hear the words of Sennacherib, probably butchered that, which he has sent to mock the living God. Truly, O Lord, the kings of Assyria have laid waste the nations and their lands and have cast their gods into the fire. For they were not gods, but the work of men's hands, wood and stone. Therefore, they were destroyed. So now, O Lord, our God, save us, please, from his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you, O Lord, are God alone. So, what can we do in a situation that is difficult? Well, we can pray like Hezekiah did, like Moses did, Hudson Taylor, George Mueller. We can pray. We can surrender like Hezekiah did when he spread the letter of, that the king sent him before God in complete surrender to the situation. We can remember who God is and what he has done for us. You know, Hezekiah referenced God as a ruler, a creator, knowing, who he, knowing his attributes. And we can recognize that only God can act. Not any other thing can. Only God has the power to do the impossible. But waiting is difficult. If waiting on God is difficult. So it is important in the waiting that we hope in God, that we refresh our souls in Christ who is the living water. And when we doubt, 
we can remember these two words, but God. We know that God can intervene. We know mm-hmm. that God can intervene. This is the done stage. Going to Africa was impossible and difficult for all of us as a family. We knew that God makes a way, and we knew that he wanted to make a way because his heart is to advance the kingdom. But we also knew that he acts in his own timing. We thought that we may just, you know, plant the seeds, perhaps, and God as God's instruments, and maybe someone else would water them. But God had other plans. He stretched out. He stretched out his hand and intervened in our local brother, in our local brother's life, like you talked about, and he brought him to Christ. For Moses, he freed an entire nation and brought them out of the land of Egypt through many different miracles that God did. And they even crossed the entire sea. For Hezekiah, God sent one no, God has sent an angel to slay one hundred and eighty five thousand of the of the Assyrian soldiers. Mm-hmm. And God even um, intervened when the king of Assyria went to go pray before his God and ends up being slain by his own sons. So, and for Hudson Taylor, a mission was fulfilled. He was able to, because of God, to start a mission in China that has a legacy that is still continuing, a work that is still being done to this day. And even for George Mueller, God turned the nothing he had into something. When there was no food, there was bread. When there was no drink, there was milk at the door for all the children. And when there was no money, God provided all the means necessary to run that orphanage that God had willed for him to do. So whether a miracle is big or small, God does them for his glory and kingdom advancement. God gives us the privilege of declaring the gospel, the miracle, the biggest miracle of all. And the gospel, that is for us, says, or shortened, is us being separated by God because of rebellion and falling short of his holy standards, being saved by Jesus, who bore the penalty of eternal punishment reserved for us by dying on the cross as a substitute, therefore giving us the freedom to no longer be a slave to sin, but to instead repent, which is to turn, and trust Christ, becoming a child of God, being forever sealed by the Spirit. This is the miracle we are called to declare. This is the gospel we are called to declare. So in conclusion, what does Hezekiah's prayer tell us? Well, it says that, or Hezekiah may note that everything that God does is for his glory. He does the work. Only he can do the impossible. Nothing else can save, not even ourselves. The miracles that God does point to Christ, and Christ is the one we should seek, not the miracles. So as we pray, surrender, and remember who God is, what he has done, 
and what he will do. And as we look to him as the one who acts, let's expect and intend impossible things for God. And some ways we have seen that is that in the next slide, we were able to baptize our brother in the, in the ocean of, of Africa, the Atlantic Ocean, I think, <laughs> if I get my geography correctly. But we were able to baptize him, and we were able to witness that with our own eyes, um, a brother forever being sealed by the Holy Spirit into God's family. Amen. <clears throat> Thank you, Darren. So, um, so yeah. So as we continue the 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 next slide, you're going to see a little bit about what um, some of the guys do on a daily basis. Um, few days, couple days, three days a week. Um, Darian has been joining in too. So we have a cement factory where we make uh, cement products. But the goal of this is to train and disciple um, local believers uh, so that they have not only a job, but they also are trained and discipled at the same time, and then they can go back to their villages and have this business as well and be able to disciple and train other people too. So that is the model of it. Uh, we're currently in the stage of, of hiring and bringing on a few young guys um, and so it's very exciting uh, for us to be able to participate in this um, with these guys. So, yeah. Um, so we have an international church that we get to be a part of. Uh, this church has um, been, I like to call it the buffet, because not every Muslim country gets to have a, a church like we do there. Um, and so it's very established. It's been there for about 20 years or so. Um, and so we, we get to participate in that and do life with uh, this church body. And it's been really encouraging for us. Uh, the kids participate in various activities. We have youth nights um, where we host a lot of the youth at our house on um, weekends. And so Darian is also in the choir. So that's been really fun. Um, watching him learn how to move and dance like an African in <laughs> church on Sunday. Um, and so he, uh, <laughs> it's been pretty cool to watch that process for him because uh, he definitely didn't know how to do that before we got there. So, um, so that's been really fun uh, watching him in that. Uh, so yeah, we, we, uh, you can see the picture in the top up there with me with this young lady. Uh, she has been such a delight to be with. We kind of, God just kind of plucked her out of that church body, and I've been able to um, participate in doing life with her and discipling her. As she has a, a great desire to reach the locals there in country, and so she quit her well-paying job and is actually working um, with local with other workers there. And, uh, and teaching and training young children in English, but also she has been a meeting with them one-on-one. So it's really neat to see how God is even using uh, other Africans in the country to reach the people there. Um, so that's very special. So as Denny mentioned, we do English conversation classes. Uh, that is uh, one night a week where we get to participate in that, and that's actually where we meet 
a lot of the locals, especially the younger generation, they're super curious about Americans. They want to learn English. And uh, so that's a really easy doorway for us, especially even with Darren and Brianna. We do this as a family. And so they get to meet with others as well on their own. Um, and so it's been a real easy, practical way that we've been able to meet with them and pull them aside one-on-one uh, for those intentional, more intentional moments. So we do have a team there. We're all with different uh, mission orgs, but we do have a team. Um, we have a family that participates in serving with us as well as another couple that are from Australia. Uh, they're new to the country, but not new at being in the field. Um, they've been in various countries, and so it has been a great joy to meet with them. We do that on Fridays uh, afternoons for about five hours. We meet, and we fellowship. We have a meal together, and we talk about the upcoming week and things that we're going to be doing. Denny works in the warehouse with um, these two men as well, so it's something we all participate in together, and it's been really life-giving for us to have um, other workers there that we get to be on a team with. Um, so, yeah. Hello, everyone. Hey. Uh, so, we finally had the chance to leave the capital city where we live, and we went south to a village called Bogay. And it was quite a long trip there. It was an eight-hour drive. It was not like an eight-hour drive from here to Dallas with Bucky's and rest stops and all the fun things. It was um, super bumpy all the way there, um, and you would have to go to the bathroom on the side of a dune with some scorpions watching you and camels, and it was, it was quite exciting. Very, very cool experience, that's for sure. Um, the reason we went was to support our teammates who started a Fulani church down there, and they also lived down there for a couple of years, so we wanted to go down there and meet some of their friends and just support them in that way, so it was a really fun trip. My favorite part personally was being with the children there they in the village they would follow us everywhere and at one point we were in a um, little house with like three kids in it and uh, we were teaching them head shoulders knees and toes and we couldn't speak their language they couldn't speak ours but it was the one thing that we could do together and it ended up being like 50 kids in one room all of us doing head shoulders knees and toes so it was super fun that was probably my favorite part <laughs> Um, this also, this past year, we had the opportunity to host a prayer conference. A prayer conference is where workers meet around two times a year, um, and we just worship and pray together and have teaching and fellowship um, and good food. Uh, and we just, it's really encouraging for us because this country is a very hard country, and so it's refreshing for us, all of us, to meet together and to encourage one another, um, and it's really, um, really wonderful to do that. And uh, me and Darren also get the chance to sing there a couple times, too. So it's really, really fun. So looking forward now, um, what does that mean, looking forward? Well, obviously, we're going to be our main focus our, our, uh, is church planting. So we're going to be focused on that. And, of course, we're still going to participate in the international church and, and its ministries and in the ESL um, in, in the conversation class and in the evangelism there. Um, and so we will definitely be continuing those. Now, with the, um, with the 
with, with the vocational training facility, I, like Angelina said, we're in the process of hiring some. Should, some people, we should have trainees be coming in in a few months as well. Um, these are local Christians that we're going to be teaching a skill, and we're going to be discipling them at the same time. So we, have, we have a discipleship program, and we're teaching them a skill at the same time as well that they can bring back um, to their villages or wherever they live and do that. And so we're going to be focused on that as well. Uh, but something we're also very excited about is we're starting an online initiative. And that's because, I don't know if it's the same here in America, but everybody there, all the teenagers are on their phone all the time. So I don't know if that's a thing here or not, but in, in, in over there, it's all the time, everywhere, they're on their phones. And actually, it's a safe place for them to ask questions. If they're questioning Jesus or questioning anything, they can ask online. Um, and so our... Our mission board also has, in a few places, other countries, done similar things. And so we're going to be starting up something similar, uh, a website, a landing page, where when they search things, that they can go to it um, and then have a way to contact us. And then later on, we can meet with them once we trust them, once we have a relationship with them. We'll meet them one-on-one and uh, hopefully go from there. So there's a lot that goes into that. So that's something that we're praying about starting um, in the next few months. Um, even before we go back. So as we wrap up, um, these pictures here just show a little bit um, of our yard uh, before we moved in. So just dry, desert, sandy. And then after my wife got a hold of it. And <laughs> after God got a hold of it. And uh, God you know, brought growth to this yard. And this is what God does Um, In the desert, right? I mean, we read in Isaiah, uh, you know, Isaiah 43, what what God does when he brings living waters to desert, right? He he brings fruit to that desert, fruit that that sing his praises even. Church, we're seeing fruit in this land, in this dry desert. God is working, bringing living fruit, living waters to this land dry desert. So what does that mean for us? What does that mean? How can you um, stay in touch with us? How can you support us? Well, this obviously, this church sent us, and so you are supporting us that way as well. But you can also sign up for our newsletter at the back here. We have a sign up if you aren't already on the newsletter, and then you can know um, every month um, how you can be praying for us. You can see pictures of what's going on, be updated with news. Um, And of course, you can be praying for us. Uh, praying for us and for the work that God is doing there, praying for the new church there, the the new foundational church. Uh, Brianna mentioned the Fulani church there with a different people group, a minority, but the church amongst them is growing, growing rapidly. So much so the government is taking notice now and just got noticed yesterday they're being persecuted. They're being searched out. They're being chased. They're they're running. They need prayer. We need prayer. The Christians there need prayer, church. Um, and so that's another way that you can um, support us. But keep us in mind, pray for us, help us, support us. Come ask us questions. Come talk to us. If you have any questions about what's going on over there, please feel free to, uh, to get our phone numbers or email us um, and uh, let us know if you have any questions. Thank you, church. All right, take a moment, let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for 
your faithfulness that is so evident in this family. Thank you for calling each one of them to yourself and for their trust in, in Jesus for salvation. Not depending upon their own works, but depending all upon Jesus. Thank you for calling each of them to yourself first. Lord, thank you for calling each of them. Uh, I remember years ago, Angelina saying to a, a country there, but I forget, was it forgotten? Lost, but forgotten? Lost, but not forgotten. Yeah. Lord, you, you've always had North Africa on your mind, and I really do thank you. We all thank you for the, the obedience of this family to heed your call to go. Lord, thank you for fruitfulness. Thank you that you are, you're on mission. And so the co-mission that we have is just to be with you on mission. So Lord, we're thankful for that. We're submitted to you. Just like Jesus, you were submitted to the Father, we're submitted to you. And we want to see that take place. So Lord, bless this family. Keep them. May your face shine upon them. May you give them peace, Lord, and use them. Use them in mighty ways. We thank you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Darian, will you do our commission today, buddy? It's right here so you don't have to look up at the screen. Uh, just one quick announcement. We have a family meeting on December 6th, 7 o'clock here. The Great Commission says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, Behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Amen. Amen. May God bless us.